Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear will inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to today's message. So we've been talking about love, right? And I think about love, we, we watch all these love stories and we um, all these love shows that irritate me to no end, such as um, Love in Paradise and 90 Day. Uh, free, oh, y'all, you watching those shows too? Okay, I got you there. Uh, you know, and, uh, and all has a whole bunch of shows about um, saying yes to the dress, all kinds of stuff, all about love. And we've been talking about love, right? But we were talking about a different kind of love, not the love that uh, we give to others, but the love that really God gives to us. And so I've been thinking about it as I was preparing, and I said, we're grateful for God's love, right? But what is our response to his love? Because it's nice that we're here every Sunday, and I don't say don't come on Sunday, but it's nice that we're here every Sunday, but if I'm listening and listening and listening, and nothing changes, then what's my response? Why am I here? Right? This is not an entertainment industry, although some people want to make it that. But we're not here to be entertained. The Word of God has to make an impact and a change in our lives daily. Right? So I had to do some self-reflection. You know, not you. I had to do it for myself. And I said, well, what is my response? How is this affecting my life? Am I the same today that I, would, that I was yesterday? Am I going to react differently tomorrow? Am I, going to, am I going to be saying things that I shouldn't say while I'm driving to Philadelphia? You know? Traffic is crazy. People just jump in front of you. Like there is no space, ma'am. Sir. <laughs> It's, it's, it's there, it's there, it's there, right? There's no space. Like, I'm almost touching his bumper. Why are you trying to get inside? Anyway, I digress. I might stay with the word. Amen? So what's your response? And when we talk about response, we're really talking about what's your answer, right? What is it's a quick or spontaneous reaction to what we're hearing or what we're seeing or what we're experiencing. It's, there's not much length of time between what I'm hearing and what I'm supposed to be doing. So what's your response? I really wanted the title to say, to say response required, but I thought it was a little harsh. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to ask them the question. What's your response? Man, what's wrong? Are you taking 20 years to respond? So today I want to start with a, with a group of people that took 40 years to respond to Christ. Not to Christ, to God. Well, to God, God is Christ, so yes, to Christ. Amen. It could have taken them 11 days. But because they were stubborn, because they were disobedient, because they were rebellious, because they thought they knew better. Now, God took them out of slavery, and they wanted to go back to slavery. Okay? They say, and this is the crazy thing. If you read, it says, we had onions in Egypt. I'm like, really, onions will make you go back to slavery, to building the pyramids? We had onions. At least we had onions. We don't have onions in the desert. And sometimes, don't, don't be looking like, oh, my God, look at that. We're the same way. 
We're the same way. So let's go to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 7, 1 to 9. So we're going to read, like Pastor said, right? We're going to read a lot. In, in this passage, Moses has gathered the people of Israel. They were right before going into the promised land. And the promised land really represents our life with Christ. So they were right at the edge. After an entire generation had to die because of their disobedience, these people um, were able to go, were getting ready to cross. Moses wasn't crossing. Because he had acted not according to God's will, right? But he's preparing them to this, for this. He's talking to them about what's going to happen and how they need to behave and what they need to do once they cross into the, um, into the promised land. And he says, thank you. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you're about to enter and occupy, he will clear away many nations ahead of you. Notice that he didn't say, if God brings you into the promised land. He simply said, when. So it was never a matter of, is this going to happen or not? It was a matter of, okay, when is the right timing for it? When are you ready to cross into the promised land? But verse 2 says, when... Again, when, not if, right? When the Lord your God hands these nations over to you and you conquer them. So look at God's love for us, right? That these nations in this promised land, and the word says, you must completely destroy them. Make no treaties with treaties with them and show them no mercy. Not if you will conquer them, but when you will conquer them. We're not just if people, we are when people, right? We are when we're conquering our sin, when we conquer those things of mindsets, when we do these things, these other things are going to happen. Because see, we think that God's love is just a free for all, right? It is free to us, but it has some, some uh, parameters and some boundaries and some things that we do need to do, Right? We need to address some things in our life. And so she said, you must not marry with them. Do not let your daughters and sons marry their sons and daughters. Oh, I skip a whole section. The Lord your God brings you into the land we're about to enter and occupy. He will clear away many nations ahead of you. The Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and Jebusites. And we always said, all the ites, right? <laughs> These seven nations are greater and more numerous than you. Go back to uh, verse 4. For they will lead your children away. So if we start intermarrying these people, Moses says to the, to the Israelites, then you're going to have children with them. And they will lead your children away from me to worship other gods. This is God talking to the people. Then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and he will quickly destroy you. This is what you must do. This is an imperative. It's not, God is not saying, well, if you feel like it, right? If you want to. If your emotions lead you to do this. He said, if you must. This is what you must do. You must break down their pagan, pagan altars and shatter their sacred pillars. Cut down their Asherah poles and burn their idols. But why do we need to do this? And this is the answer. For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God, 
of all the people on the earth, the Lord God has chosen you to be his own. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were a numerous nation, numerous, more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of all of them. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors, and that was Abraham. This is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery. And he did rescue us, right, with a strong hand. He sent his son to die on our behalf so we may have life and have it more abundantly. And in that sense, we were slaves of sin. So he said, this is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand. There was only one way to rescue us, which was the death and resurrection of our Savior. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. So the love of God, the response, what it requires of us is that we have to do some work. We've got to do some things, right? So tell your neighbor, I've got to work some things out. I do something out. And I'll tell them, don't look at me like that. You do too. Say, don't look at me like that. You do too. You got to work things out. You got you to gotta defeat some enemies in your life. You, you, you got to uh, respond differently. You got you to gotta do some things. It's not just me. Amen. Remember that it was a corporate speech, right? Everybody got to do something. So it's amazing to me to know that we're loved by a God that, not, that is the only living God. It's amazing for me to understand and know that he loved us not because of my attributes or how smart I can be or what I can do or how much weight I can lift or how much money I have. He just, the Bible verse says, he just loved you. There's nothing you can do to change that. He just loved you. He said, I chose the smallest nation to make them my nation for my treasure simply because I just love them. He doesn't have to explain himself. You don't have to explain why you're being loved by God. He just loves you, right? And so then he says, in Ephesians, he talks about even before the foundations of this world were laid, he loved us. So think about that. Before he said the first words in Genesis 6, 1, 1, let it be, he already loved you. Because, see, we don't serve a God that is constrained by time and by space, right? So he loved you because you already existed in him. He loved you because before he said, let it be, let us separate the heavens from the waters, you already existed in him. That's why he loved you. Right? And there's nothing that you can do today or tomorrow or that you did yesterday that will separate you from that love. Isn't that amazing? Yes. I mean, at least it's amazing to me. Yes. And so when I start thinking about it, it's like, wow, how do I respond to this love? Because it requires a response, right? It doesn't require for me to just sit down and say, well, thank you, God. Good job, right, for loving, man, for loving me. God, how can I love you back? Right? What do I need to do to express my uh, gratitude towards you? 
not because I need to pay for my love, not because I need to, you know, well, he loved me. He took me to dinner, so I might take him to dinner next week, right? Well, he bought me flowers, so I might give him some chocolate next week. It's not that kind of love. It's not that kind of response. I don't want you to become legalistic and, oh, I have to do these 10 things because that's not what I'm talking about. So I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm saying, right? God's love for us is free, eternal, immense, unchangeable. It's deliberate. The word says that he chose us. So he didn't fall in love with us, right? We see all these shows, everybody falling in love. I don't understand why they can't stand. (laughs) Right? Like, come on, stop falling, right? Oh, I fall in love. So you fall in love today. You fall in love tomorrow. You fall in love with the tall guy. You fall in love with the short guy. You fall in love with the the one that has money. And then two weeks later, you're going to fall with somebody else. Stop falling in love, okay? Stop it. Just stop it. Sorry, Pastor, today so I got a lot of <laughs> I, I have it all in here because I watch all these stupid shows and I'm thinking, why are they deluding the love of the Lord? I can't watch them anymore. Like, you was just like, oh. He didn't fall in love with you. You didn't have to do anything to demonstrate that you were worthy of her love. The word of God says that he chose you. He chose me. He chose this. He chose this. (laughs) Right? He chose us. Come on. He chose you. The effects of his love in our life should be evident. So you shouldn't be surrounded by this love and nothing happens in your life. Right? The unconditional, this unconditional, sacrificial, enduring love of God always solicit a response, a reaction, a move, an answer, a change in the way that you behave, in the way that you think, in the way you respond, in the way that you worship, in the way that you treat others, in the way that you love. If there is no change, if there hasn't been a change, then what is the the Word of God doing in your life? The Word of God, you know, there's a Bible verse that is a two-edged sword, so you know that the Word of God ought to cut you sometimes. Right? Are to say, oh, that hurt a little. You know? And it's okay. Not so you go in condemnation, but simply so you say, God, I surrender myself. How could I do? How could I be better for you? And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, I want you to understand that I'm going to tell you, do these three things or you're going to be super blessed. Okay. You're already blessed because God loved you. So there's nothing you can do, nothing you can say that will change that blessing. So don't be giving no $2,000 to anybody. I mean, except pastor. Because he can't bless you, all right? That house is not on that $2,000. Edit that. Edit that, edit that. Sorry, sorry, media team, all right? His love is free, but it does require some things for us, from us. It is really about whether or not my response to God really matches what he's expecting and not how I'm going to respond, right? It's not about me. It's really about him. In other words, am I responding to his love the way that he wants me to? Am I doing it his way? Or am I just doing it my way and hoping that he said, good job? So one of the things is, it's your reason. I'm going to ask you three or four questions today, and I want you to think about it. I had to. 
Am I becoming apathetic about his love? Meaning, it's not doing anything in me. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you, God. And then keep on doing what I want to do. It's causing me to be more committed unto him. I'm more submitted. It's his love um, pushing me to love others much more deeply than I do now. So there are four questions that I want to ask you this way today. And one is, is your response holiness? Right? Is your response holiness to his love? And I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about, am I wearing a hat in the church? I'm not talking about whether I'm only, should we wear only scarves? I'm not, I'm not talking about those superficial things that sometimes we think make us holy or am I just spitting out Bible verses out of context so you can see that I know the Word of God, but then there is no change in your life even though you know the Word of God? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that things I said, oh, I'm too blessed to be stressed. That, that's not, that's silly. Okay? I'm too blessed to be stressed. Come on. I feel like saying, shut up. If you're too blessed, I'm sorry. If you're too blessed to be stressed, go sit somewhere. Because I'm stressed, okay? And I'm still blessed, so you're not too blessed. I'm sorry. You know, if you're a single mother, that has two kids to put in school at 7.30. You gotta take the bus to go to work. You gotta go to school full-time. I have students in my school that are full-time workers, full-time parents, full-time students. They take 16 to 18 credits, okay? They take the bus to school. They work minimum wage. They have bills to pay. I have students that sometimes are homeless. I'm too blessed to be stressed. No, they're stressed, right? And they're still blessed. Because God loved them. So, but if you have, but if you have that t-shirt that says I'm too blessed to be stressed, go ahead and wear it, okay? I just won't wear it because I'm stressed. Amen? And, uh, so what is holiness? Holiness is really not that, um, you know, like a, a prideful state of, oh, I'm holy. It's not holy than doubt. I'm not talking about that. Holiness means to live a life apart from God, separate, a different kind of life that life than that this world gives. Wow. Well, that's good. You know, it is about am I conforming myself to this world or am I being transformed by the renewing of my mind? So Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, so here's what I want you to do. I love this version, right? So here's what I want you to do. That's what the Bible says. I'm not telling you that. All right? Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and making and walking around life, walking around life, and place it before the God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture. Uh-oh. Uh-oh that you fit into it without even thinking. That means you're accepting every truth that is being fed to us. How do they fit? No, they're not feeding me truth, really. TV fits you their truth, right? Look at their truth about families. Watch TV and now we are accepting that truth. 
we want to be loving and acceptable, right? And so we no longer stand for anything. It says, I lost my spot. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. And like the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. This is what it is. This is our culture. This is me inside, right? And what the Word of God is saying, oh, I should have opened it. What the Word of God is saying is, thank you. Allow His Word to transform you, right? Allow, so you are this clay. Allow me, God, to build you the way that I want you to build. Stop agreeing with all the other things that the world is presenting to you. Thank you. No, that's okay. So this is me, a lump of clay. And holiness means, God, I want to live a life that pleases you. So God takes my life and it starts forming it. Start squeezing it. You know, some of us are going through a squeezing time right now. Guess what? You're being transformed. You're being transformed. You know, some things are not working out for you. But God is like, that's okay, my child. I need it. So I'm, I'm squeezing, I'm squeezing, I'm squeezing. I'm trying to clean all those things that are not pleasing unto you and to me. All right? And then you have a different form, a different form. Because when we come into his kingdom, we come with the world's culture, with the world's ideas, with the world way of expressing love or the world way of thinking, right? But he said, that's okay, I take you that way, but when you come into me, into this kingdom of God, allow me to take you and transform you and change. When you transform and when you conform something, you're changing the entire um, structure of who they are, of what it is, right? In other words, would you surrender yourself unto me? Could I do the work that I want to do for on your, on your life? Some of us are, the, the word of God in another verse says, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. And if you are sacrificed, and if you know how sacrifice were done, guess what? That means I'm going to put you to the fire to get all the impurities out of you. So then you'll be a, a sweet aroma unto my nostrils when you, as a worship offering unto me. So if you're going through the fire, guess what? You're right... You, some of us think that, oh, because storms are coming, because I'm being pressed, because I've been through the fire, I must have done something wrong. I'm here to tell you that God is using all of that, all of that, to transform you and conform you to his image, not to the image of the world, because we do that every day, but to his image. And so it goes back to this. You know how we always said, and I said, well, God, what are those impurities that you want to take out of me and out of us? And he said, well, go back to the Bible verse you were reading. You know all those ites that we always gloss over? And God said, when you go there, when? Now, he gives those enemies into our hands, right? And then he said, but you got to finish them yourself. 
You got to finish them. You got to defeat them because we're victorious. And so he said this, you got you to get rid of the Hittites out of your life. What do you mean? The Hittites represented a group of people that operated in fear. They brought fear to others, confusion, and discouragement. So when God said those seven nations, he's talking about seven, the, the mindsets, not seven, the mindsets and the sins that so easily beseech us and so easily make us um, stay, uh, go away from God or turn away from God. So the Hittites are fear. If you're operating in fear, God is telling you today, come on, conquer that. I already did it for you. You just have to walk in victory. The Girgashites are those where those, um, that nation was earthly focused. God is calling us to be heaven focused, to focus on him and not on the things, lowly things of this earth, right? He said, why are you worried about what you're going to eat? Am I not a provider? They're double-minded. Oh, I'm with God today. Oh, I'm not with God today. Oh, I want Jesus today. Oh, I prefer this today. And you go back and forth, and the Lord, the Word of God says that that um, makes them vomit. Right? Double-minded. Amorites, are, there were people that were very prideful. So if you're operating in pride, that's not God. That response of pride is not God. Okay, they were boastful, judgmental, arrogant. So keep on judging, right? God says that's not cool. The Canaanites were people motivated by greed. They just wanted more and they wanted to accumulate. And God says that you cannot serve two masters. The Hevites were, the parasites were those that lacked self-control. Sometimes I lack self-control. So that's an enemy that I need to defeat, right? The parasites. And then the Hevites is so this nation right now. It feels good. If it feels good, I'll do it. That's this nation, right? I'll, if, I don't, if I feel like it, I'll do it. If I feel like it, that's my truth. If I uh, want to... I had a student pray for me sometimes. She wanted 100 on her test because that's what she wanted. So she was getting 89, 85. So she's like, oh, no, I deserve 100. So she went and bought a paper written by artificial intelligence. I knew that and, she, and, and, and submitted it as her paper. I felt good about it. Because I want 100 and I want everybody to, be, to know that I'm 100. So I'm going to do whatever I feel good to me. That's the Hivats. And then you have the Jebusites. That was a nation that was oppressive. All these are spirits, right, that are working against us. So, so they can pull us away from the love of God. But what they don't know, and we know, that there's nothing can separate you from his love. And so God gave you the plan, gave you the, the, um, the weapons, and he said, okay, Go. Go defeat them. They're already defeated. Just, you just got to kick them one more time, and they'll be completely out. But what we're doing is, oh, my God. Fear is gripping me. Fear is gripping me. But I got to say, God, you said that love takes away fear. So I got to operate in love. I remember my kids when they were young. 
little. They will sing, they will get fearful at night, and they will call dad. I don't know why they didn't call me, but they call dad, right? And they were like, so dad and them will start singing, victory is mine, victory is mine, victory today is mine. And as they start singing that song, and they become a little stronger in the Lord, and, and God was like, I told Satan, get thee behind, victory today is mine. And that's what we got to do today. With those seven nations, victory is yours. You should not be controlled by these nations. Now, sometimes you might feel that way, but you're already a conqueror. So the first question was, are you living in holiness? The second question is, is your response obedience? Is your response obedience? 1 John 5.3 says, to love God means that we obey his commandments. Obeying his commandments isn't difficult. And it's like, yes, it is. But think about it. If you live in Leviticus time and you had a whole book to remember about his commandments, that was difficult, right? I I can't mix and match different fabrics. Right? I can't eat this when I'm eating that. I have to wash 50 times before I do. Those were commandments. Those were difficult to follow. And God made it so easy for us. First John um, 5.3 says that to love God means that we obey his commandments. And obeying his commandments isn't difficult. Matthew 22.37.40 says this. And Jesus replied to him, You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. That is, unselfishly seek the best or higher good for others. The whole law and the writings of the prophets depend on these two commandments. There are only two things that God is asking you to be obedient about. Love him and love others. Love him and love others. Why? He summarized the entire law into those two commandments. Because if you love God, it's easy to obey, right? If I love God, I'm not going to go try to kill anybody. If I love God, if I love my neighbor, I want the best from them. So I'm not going to try to um, create a circumstance that will not benefit them. Loving God, loving others is all we have to do. That's how we know that we're being obedient to God. And so when we say, oh, love is free, love is free, but it requires your obedience. Don't forget that. Amen? 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 7 talks about what type of love. It's not my kind of love, right? It's not the love that I love you today, but tomorrow, eh, I'm not too sure because I'm not feeling that great, right? That's not the love. It's the love of God. The Bible says at the end, Jesus said, Okay, don't love them just as you love yourself. Love them as I love them, right? With a deeper love. So John, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 7 says, what is love, right? So we're talking about love, and we want to say, what is love? It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is unjealous. Can you joyfully celebrate? Those are my words, okay? Your time will come, but can you rejoice with those that rejoice and genuinely be their best cheerleader? Can you do that? It doesn't sing its own praises. You know, it's not this. Oh, look at me. Look at me. I'm helping the homeless person. Oh, look at me. I'm putting shoes on the homeless person. Look at me. Um, my friend couldn't pay the rent. 
So I gave her $1,500. Look at me. I did it. I put it on Facebook. Everybody, how many likes I'm having? You know, how many likes? And sometimes I, I'm just like, I put things in my like, ain't nobody liking my picture. What's going on? Right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to like first. And then let's see if that responds to somebody. Right? It's like, it's been two hours and nobody responds. Oh my God, it's been two minutes and nobody liked my picture. Sorry. It doesn't see its own places. It's not arrogant. Okay? It isn't rude. Can we, not, can we just hold the door for people sometimes? Can, can we just do that? It doesn't think about itself. It doesn't think about itself. And I know that's hard because we're constantly told that in this, in this society that we have to think about ourselves, right? We come first. We're an individualistic society. And it doesn't matter whether I'm imposing on your freedom as long as I'm doing what I want. But let's work. We're not the center of the universe. Jesus is. Jesus is. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep track of wrongs. Oh. So wives and husbands and children, just throw your book away. The one that you keep sometimes in your mind, I was like, I can't believe in 2002, he said this to me. In 1993, <laughs> so my, I'm going to tell you something. My family keeps, keeps record of me. I just want you to know, right? In 1993, when I first was married, I didn't do laundry when I, was, when I was in my house with my parents. My mom did it. I happened to mix a red with a white. Okay, I just happened to do that. And it was a workshop for somebody that we would not mention that is teaching the teens. <laughs> Since 1993, he would not let me do his laundry. I'm okay with that, but I'm just saying, right? I don't care. Another one that keeps records you might not know is my youngest. 2008, I happened I'm not the greatest iron person, right? I'm not great at it. I don't care. I only want this, the wrinkles to go away. She happens to have a dress that apparently I wasn't supposed to iron, right? Which I did. It became a big hole. So since that time, I'm not allowed to touch her clothes. I think that that's keeping record, right? I could keep record, but I decided to forgive them, all right? Love isn't happy when injustice is done, but it's happy with the truth. Not just any truth. Not just any truth. God's truth. The only truth. Amen? Amen? Love never stops being patient. (laughs) Never stops believing and never stops hoping and never gives up. That's the love that we have from God. So we talk about it's your response. Holiness is your response. Obedience is your response service. That's a daily decision. Daily I need to choose to obey. Daily I need to choose to live holy. Daily I need to choose to serve. Joshua says, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. At that time, he was challenging the Israelites because the Israelite people kept going back and forth. They will serve God, they will honor God, they will worship God, 
and then they will serve other gods and worship other gods and create altars and then go back to God and then go back to others. And he said, you got to make a decision. You're either going to serve other gods or you're going to serve God. We all have to make that decision. We're either going to serve other gods or we're going to serve God. And so he said, but for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. So who are you going to serve today? So Joshua is challenging us to make that decision for God. John 13, 14, 15, so it's not just how we serve God, right? But it's how we serve others. And so in the Last Supper, Jesus took his, he, he kneeled, called the disciples, and started washing their feet. Right? And at that time, their feet were really dirty because they were walking everywhere, right? So he said, do this for each other. Wash each other's feet. He's like, well, I don't need, and to me, I don't like feet, right? I just can't touch them. I was going to do a demonstration, and I know God wants me to do this demonstration, so (laughs) you're going to have to pray for me because I don't like touching feet. So if you can bring me some water, please, you know. It's like taking on, like, God, really, you want me to do this? Like, really? And so he's like, yeah, you got to wash other people's feet. And he's like, without gloves, I got to wash <laughs> He's like, yeah, without gloves. Like, it's a hardcore. And can I have a chair? Pastor Becky, She's gonna wash my feet. I'm going to wash her feet. I'm going to be obedient. But I'm telling you, he's saying, I don't even touch my husband's feet, okay? I've never touched my husband's feet. I wash my feet all week. Oh, my God. Oh, I forgot my, um, I forgot my thing. Okay, I will use this. You okay, Yes, I'm going to be okay because God gave me the strength to do No. God gave me the strength. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That's perfect. So. I haven't had my feet done like four. Oh, you, 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 oh my God. I looked at my feet. I looked at my feet yesterday because I wanted to wear sandals today. That's why I wear shoes, okay? I was like, oh wow. Oh wow. I didn't know nails could be that long. Oh, I'm sorry. I did all that. But when you wash somebody's feet, you got to make sure that the water is right. Because you can't come. It can't be too hot because it will burn her, right? And it can't be too cold because it will make her cold. So washing the feet means i got to get there in the dirtiest of places with my brethren. i got to help them through this process. But I can't come too hot, too zealous, too... You need to do this. Or, oh my God, how sinful you are. I gotta come at the right temperature. Because washing their feet is trying to make sure that they are healed again. Trying to make sure that that dirt that they have is not overwhelming to them. It's refreshing them with my word. So go ahead and go ahead, we'll do this. We're gonna do this. And then somebody gotta get, help me get up. Because that's the worst part too, right? So when I get down, I'm going to get the lowest because that's where they are. And so I'm not afraid of how that's going to affect me. 
because the love of God has not only cleansed her, but it has cleansed me. And if I truly love her, you know, I'm not going to tell you that her feet are dirty. I'm not going to go and gossip. Oh my God, I had to be on the lowest with her. Oh no. I'm going to wash her feet. Oh, it's nice temperature. Mm -hmm. right? And washing. It is, it's really nice. Washing her feet, going through the crevices of the feet. Get in there, get in there. Get in there. But loving others means I'm going to do things that I don't want to do. That's right. But they're necessary for their growth. They're necessary for our growth. So I'm here washing her feet with love. Mm. You know I love her, right? I feel, I feel the love. You feel the love. And then I'm going to dry it up. Dry her up. And make sure that she's okay when she leaves my presence. Right? I'm not going to say, okay, wash your feet, get out. No, no, no. I'm going to take my time. And I'm going to make sure that, every, that her feet are good. They're ready to go back and run this race. Right? Because she's running the same race that I'm running. She needs the same encouragement that, I'm, that I need. She needs the same cleansing that I need. Yes. Right? So God says, wash each other's feet. Pray for each other. Get there with each other in the midnight hour when nobody's there. You want to shop there with your shoes? No. Rob's going to be jealous. Yeah, because don't tell him that. Don't tell him. Don't tell him. Yes, thank you so much. So when she leaves my presence, she leaves clean. Washed by the love of God. Not because it's me doing it. So can you serve others? Can you get there? When they don't know where to go. When they don't know how to come out of that place. Can I be trusted by God that I'm going to get right in the, in the lowest of places and just refresh each other? Can you do that? And finally... It's your response, worship. It's your response, holiness, holiness. It's your response, obedience. It's your response, service. It's your response, worship. Because what you need to remember is that if I walk in holiness, if I walk in obedience, if I walk in service, then I'm automatically in worship. It's not just the singing. It's what I do every day, and that's also a decision. Do you, who, who and what are you worshiping? We worship not because we want to earn privilege with God, but because we recognize who He is in us, what He's done for us, there's a song that says, but it, when I think about Jesus and all that he has done for me, my soul cries out. Is your soul crying out for Jesus? When we sang today, all I need is Jesus. All I want is Jesus. That's all it is. Psalms 136, 26 says, thank God 
who did it all, his love never quits. So when we're talking about this love that he gave to the lowest of people, the littlest of people, the ones the others thought that we were insignificant, he never quits. God never quits. When you sin, because you will, I will, probably in a couple of hours. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. I mean, I'm trying. But I will be driving, so I can't say anything. <laughs> when I sin, his love never quits. When the storms of life come and shake me a little bit, his love never quits. When I have it together, his love never quits. When I don't have it together and I'm losing it, his love never quits. When the enemy said, look at you, his love never quits. You know what happens when the enemy comes in front of God and says, look at him, look at her. Then Jesus stands right in front and said, but look at the blood. Look at the blood. And so God doesn't see your sin, ever. He doesn't see your sin, he sees the blood. His love never quits. Psalms 100 says, Shout with the joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is good. He made us and we are his. That's an amazing thing. We're his. You know, he loves us because he loved us. We don't have to explain to anybody. And that comes with a lot of benefits. We live in favor because we're his. Right? We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into the courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord God is good. His unfailing love continues forever. His unfailing love was the same yesterday, today, will be the same tomorrow. It will be the same 100,000 years from now as it was 100,000 years ago. Even before the foundations of this world, he loved us. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. And as you come closer to God, as you become, as we become more obedient, as we become more holy, as we, he continues to bless us. He doesn't bless you more because you are more holy. He just blesses, right? And so we have many reasons to worship God. What are your reasons? I can tell you my reasons. You know? I wasn't supposed to be here. But God. My daughter Melody wasn't supposed to walk. But God. And so am I not supposed to worship him? Shouldn't that send me to a, to a place of worship that, like David said, I will do more about Like, I don't care who's standing next to me because I'm going to worship. I don't care if you raise your hand or not. I don't care if you don't think I can't say because I cannot. I'm worshiping. I'm worshiping because he is God. I'm worshiping because he made us. I'm worshiping because he led us. I'm worshiping because he's good. And his unfailing love is never ending. I'm worshiping because his faithfulness is new every morning. It does not end at midnight, at 12 midnight. It just begins for the next day. 
And then at 12 midnight that day, it's not empty. It's just full again. You can't empty God. You cannot empty God's love. You cannot empty God's faithfulness. You cannot empty God. So when we begin to remember who he is, when we begin to remember what he's done, when we begin to remember his love, just the way he is, just who he is, he's good. He's God. He's love. He's everlasting. He is the brighter morning star. He is the provider. He's the living God. He is the bread of life. He's the living water. He's the rock of my salvation. He's my protector. He's my comforter. When I start thinking of all that he is for me, I can't just sit. I, can't, I don't know about you, but I can't sit still. You know, I had to say, Abba, Father, hallelujah to your name. And I got to join with the angels and say, greater is the Lamb of God because he loved me first. And I had to do nothing but to obey his call to come into his presence. So as we finish today, as I finish today and as the worship team comes, if you don't know this love, I want to give you an opportunity to just know that it's a very simple thing. All it requires is you to say yes. So when I'm offering this love to you, if you don't know God, if you don't know Christ at this, in this level, know this, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that He's Lord, you are saved. That's all it takes. That's all it takes for salvation and entering into his kingdom. I don't have to do cartwheels. I don't have to do 20 sessions of new members. You know, I I don't have to do all that. All I have to do is say yes. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. If you would like to find information about who we are or how to donate so that we can keep doing what we're doing, please check us out at www.scarletnotes.org. See you next time.